Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 40th program in this series where I am in the Gospel of John, chapter 8. In the previous program, I was speaking about the conversation that Jesus was having with the people in the temple compound. This was right after the conflict that Jesus had with the people concerning the woman who was caught in adultery. This is the conversation that developed after that circumstance. And in this conversation, it became quite obvious that the Pharisees had an interest that was different from the interest that Jesus had. And because their interests were different, it appears that there was not a lot of communication taking place between Jesus and the Pharisees. There was communication, but the communication that was taking place was disconnected in the sense that Jesus was speaking to them about things that they didn't understand, and they were speaking to Jesus about things that he had no interest in. And so in that sense, there was a profound disconnect in the conversation that was taking place. But it really does show the different interests that the people had. The Pharisees, for example, they had an interest in the enforcement power of authority. They were not so much interested in the truth. They were not really interested in who Jesus was as a person. It didn't matter what the truth was to the Pharisees. That's the point. They were interested in the enforcement power of authority. They were not interested in the truth. And you might think that the enforcement power of authority is supposed to be based on the truth. And I can understand that if that's something that you would be concerned about. I can understand that. But it turns out that in many cases throughout history, the assertion of authority really doesn't have much of anything to do with the truth. It just has to do with political issues or religious issues or influence issues or monetary issues. The subject of the truth does not always take precedence as much as we would like. And so this is what Jesus was speaking about. In this conversation, he was expressing the fact that he was telling the truth. All they were concerned about was, well, you want to say that you're the light of the world? You want to say that you're important? You need to have some witnesses. You need to have witnesses that meet our standards, that meet our requirements. There is a procedure that you're supposed to follow according to our interests, what will satisfy us. We make the rules here. You can't just say that you're telling the truth. It just doesn't work that way because we don't really care about the truth. We're more interested in other things, especially maintaining our power and our authority and our influence, especially here in the temple. 
But Jesus was there to tell the truth. And he was there to tell people about himself and about his Father, the living God. So that's why there was a disconnect. The Pharisees were interested in one thing. Jesus was interested in something else. And this is what I was explaining in the previous program. Now, continuing into verse 25, in the Gospel of John, verse 25, Then they said to him, Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. And I was explaining before, at the end of the previous program, that they really didn't have an interest in knowing who he was. They were answering that question in response to verse 24 when he said, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Their response was not really wanting to know him. Their response had to do with the fact that they were agitated, that he was suggesting that they were going to die in their sins. And so their question of who are you was more a question of who do you think you are telling us something like this than it was a question of will you genuinely share with us who you are as a person. We want to know you and we want to know your father. That's who we want to know. We want to know the truth and we want to know all about you and who you are, what you think, what you value. What are the goals that you have in your life? What are the things that are really important to you about today? How do you see the world that you are a part of? How do you see us? How do you see yourself and how do you see others? And what can we maybe learn from you, from your discernment and from your wisdom? That is not what they were asking him. And so his response in verse 25, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, is a way of saying, it's a way of answering the question, but it's also a way of saying that they have no interest in who he really is. He's been very open and very direct about who he really is. And they are the ones who have rejected him and who are continuing to reject him. And so their question no longer has any meaning to him because he knows full well that they do not want to know who he is. Jesus continues into verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. Now, that's a lot. That's a lot to say right there for Jesus to respond to them and acknowledge that they don't really know who he is and they don't want to know who he is, but that he has a lot of things to say about them. And he could pass a lot of judgment against them. What he's saying is, is that they may not know who he is, but he knows who they are. He knows who they are. And he's got a lot to say about them. And if he's going to pass judgment, he can pass a lot of judgment. He can do that. And if the Heavenly Father has given him all power and authority to judge all things, they should be concerned about that. And they should pay attention to that. That he could say, I know you. You don't know me, but I know you. 
But he continues in verse 26 where he says, But he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Now, indirectly, he could say that God sent him, and he will tell the world the things that God has told him to share with the world. But the way that he says this in conjunction with the beginning in verse 26 concerning the things that he could say about them and judge concerning them, putting this statement in conjunction with this, what I personally think he was saying was that he could say a lot about them and he could pass a lot of judgment concerning them. But that is not what the Father has sent him to do. It's a way of saying that as far as God is concerned, those people just aren't that important. They may be having this conversation with Jesus. They may be recognized as authorities. But as far as God is concerned, knowing them and being able to pass judgment against them and being able to have a lot of things to say about them, just isn't important. It doesn't matter. What really matters is the truth that God wants to express about himself and the truth that God wants to express so that people can be set free. Now, there can be a place for judgment and for condemnation in order to encourage a person to move in the direction of being set free. But that does not appear to be the topic that they are talking about here in John chapter 8. Jesus simply tells them, Look, I know who you are. You don't know anything about me, but I know a lot about you. And I could say a lot of things about you. And I could pass a lot of judgment against you too. But my Father, the living God, has sent me to do other things. As far as he is concerned, you simply are not that important. And so he continues into verse 27. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Why? Probably because they weren't really paying attention to what he had to say. In verse 28, then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Now, what would be so significant about the lifting up of the Son of Man? What is he referring to? He's referring to the crucifixion. And he says here in verse 28 that that is when they will know. Then you will know that I am he that I am he as in he is the Messiah, and they will know that he is the one who is God manifested in the flesh. Now, how will they know? Why would they know? Well, they will know because they will know that he is being executed under false conditions, that they will have executed a man who is innocent of the crimes that he is being executed for. Everyone is going to know. And when they see that, there will be an opportunity for conviction. 
Will they remember on their own who he is and what he did and what he taught? Will they remember on their own? I believe many will remember on their own. But in addition to that, the presence of God will be there. The Holy Spirit will be there. And the Holy Spirit of God will have an opportunity to speak to the hearts of all the people who will be present. Everyone, individually and personally, and speak to them about the truth of who Jesus is and that he was there to do the work of God and that he prophesied that this is what would happen. And he also said that he would raise from the dead. And so when he did, that would give them a lot more to think about. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Jesus is simply asserting the reality that he does do what pleases God, and he's also asserting the fact that God is with him and is not going to leave him alone. And that is what is important. It doesn't matter if they have the ability to assert authority or not. That is not of importance. It doesn't matter if they are in charge of the temple compound or not. It doesn't matter if people believe Jesus or not. What matters is that Jesus is not alone, that he has a person who is with him, and this person is the living God. Doesn't that matter? Isn't that of importance? Well, to the people there, that was of no importance. That didn't matter. The only thing that mattered to them was could they achieve a victory in the Sanhedrin? Could they achieve a victory in court? Who cares about the truth? We just want to be right. We just want to win. We want to be the victors. That was what was important to them. But Jesus was there to say, you know, the truth is important. And also, the person of our God is important. The person of Jesus is important. In verse 30, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Certainly not the people who he was speaking to directly in this conversation. It was the people who he was speaking with indirectly. The people who he was speaking with indirectly. He was having this conversation with the Pharisees in the temple who were not going to acknowledge the truth that he was expressing and they were not going to acknowledge the truth of who Jesus really is. They're not going to do that. But in this conversation, there were many people who were listening. There were many people who were paying attention. And some of those people believed in him. Verse 30, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, 
You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So in the midst of this conversation, he then turns to those few people who are believing him, and he tells them that if you, if you will abide in my word, which means to trust in, rely on, and have faith in what I am expressing to you. You are my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will make you free. The law does not make you free. It is the truth. And so something to keep in mind whenever you feel like you're in a sense of bondage or in a form of bondage, you just have the feeling that you're in bondage of some kind, the right question to ask is, what is it that I am believing that is not true? Because if I was believing the truth, then I would be free. I would be free. When you see others who are living with a sense of bondage, who are living in darkness, who have no idea what is going on in the world around them, who have no understanding, they have no wisdom, they have no discernment, they live in absolute confusion. You're looking at someone who is in bondage because they believe many things that simply are not true. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be excited about you telling them the truth. It doesn't mean that at all. But it will help you to have an understanding of the people who are around you. And perhaps you might be more effective in communicating with them when you understand that this is the struggle that most people live in every moment of every day. It is a struggle of the truth or the lie. It doesn't matter who can win in court. It doesn't matter who has authority and who doesn't. It doesn't matter who has power, who has influence. The only thing that genuinely matters is do you know the truth and do you know the person of the Lord Jesus? Do you know the person of your God? And are you with him? Is he with you? Or are you alone? Those are the things that genuinely matter. But this is not something that they were thinking about. This is something that he told the people. And it is something that we can look at today, that we can understand today, that we can learn from, and that we can pay attention to. There were probably many people at that time who also embraced this reality. But I'm suggesting that at this time, most people would not really comprehend what he had to say, but it would take them some time to really capture the meaning behind what he just said. Instead, they respond to him in a way that shows that they had no idea what he was talking about. In verse 33, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say... You will be made free. Well, the reason why he's able to say that is because they are misunderstanding what he means by freedom. In verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Here's a good example. If you commit sin, 
You are a slave of sin. You are in bondage. So why is it, just to give you an example, why is it that you commit sin? The reason why is because there's something you believe that isn't true. You believe, maybe, that you will be accepted, that the deepest need that you have in your heart to be accepted, that that is going to be fulfilled if you sin, that you're going to feel loved if you sin. You might feel that if you can participate in condemning Jesus in an inappropriate way, but it works, that others will like you. That is committing sin. And if you do that, if that is who you are, if that is what you do, then you become a servant You become a slave of sin just because you're not willing to believe the truth. You instead embrace the lie and the manifestation of your unbelief is the sin that you commit. But the root cause of the sin is not the sin itself. It really is a person's unbelief in the truth, unbelief in reality. Unbelief in who Jesus is as a person. They just simply don't believe. In verse 35, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. It's a way of him to express to them that what really matters is, are you a child of God or not? If you live by the law, you live by sin. If you live by grace, if you live by the new covenant, if you are made alive through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that Jesus decides to give to you, then you are a son of God and you will abide in the house of God forever. Jesus is that son and he has the authority to make you free by making you into a child of God also. In verse 35, And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. They are in the house of God, in a sense, at this time referring to the temple in Jerusalem. But they will not be there forever. They are going to physically die. Will they be allowed to be a part of the house of God in the kingdom of heaven? Only if Jesus makes them free. And they will be made free by embracing the truth and by embracing Jesus as a person. Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, 
you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? The one who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Now, that was a lot for him to say. You can just imagine what he might have meant when he said in verse 26, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But this was a lot, and I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 40th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spoke about John chapter 8, verses 26 to 47. I explained that Jesus was communicating directly with the Pharisees there in the temple who did not believe in him, But indirectly, he was speaking to the people who were listening in on the conversation that was taking place between Jesus and these people who rejected him as the Messiah. During the conversation, there were people who did believe in Jesus, who did believe the things that he was saying. And so he was asserting to the Pharisees, to those who did not believe in him, that he was not alone that the Father was with him, that the Father sent him to tell the truth. And there were people there who believed him, became his disciples, and joined together with him and the living God, his Father. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net